Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast. It is a personal transformation podcast, focusing on improving your life, business, and your relationships. Hosted by Eldin Hassa, a mindset coach, relationship coach, author of a self-help book titled, Are We All Fucked?, which is a step-by-step guide to becoming a best version of yourself. Available on Amazon Worldwide, and also on his website, eldinhasser.com. Eldin is also a spiritual teacher, public speaker, workshop and seminar facilitator, and a successful property investor and developer, with passion for transforming lives globally for over 15 years. We have over 2 million downloads of our podcast. As a thank you, get a free copy of Eldin's book on his website, eldinhasser.com. Also, we are hosting a free Peak Mindset Masterclass. Get your free ticket on his website, formulaeq.com, or find the link in this podcast. Hurry, seats are limited. Share this podcast with your friends and family and help our mission to empower humanity. Please remind yourself every day how amazingly awesome you already are. Thank you and welcome your amazing host, Eldin Hassa. Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast. This is your host, Eldin Hassa. In this episode, we have Paul Rogers, who is a best-selling author, life coach, and just inspiring human being. In this episode, Paul is sharing his inspiring story, how he survived car crash with his family and how he turned his life around and now is going around the world teaching other people through his books, podcasts, online coaching programs, videos, how to overcome mental health challenges, anxiety, PTSD, depression and other issues in life. Paul's story in March 2018, he had it all, then he lost it all in a horrible accident on an ordinary winter's day when his car was hit by a train in the blink of an eye. Not everyone survived, but someone was born again. There are no coincidences. How does someone come back from that? Doctors told him this is a miracle. In the midst of destruction, something positive started to grow. Paul Rogers believes that his struggles will be someone else's survival guide. He has used his experience having sustained a severe TBI and CPTSD to write under the pen name of Kate Summers. The first book is a mini-series, The White Wolf's Way, a step-by-step guide to self-compassion. It's free on Amazon and it has reached number one bestseller already. For Paul, this is just the start of a journey of self-discovery, helping others to discover their own inner strength in the face of adversity and seemingly impossible odds. He now helps others to find their own passion and inner purpose to obtain a life of their dreams. Paul is originally from UK, from England, and he currently lives in Canada with his wife and four-year-old son. For more information, contact Paul at takeactionacademy.ca. Welcome, Paul. Please introduce yourself to our audience. Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is um, Paul Rogers, and uh, as a very kind introduction by Eldon there, um, 
and yes, I, I've been on an amazing journey. Um, and I, I like to think that actually, uh, I've learned a lot through uh, academic study, but I've learned more and more of actually life. And that's taught me a lot of new skills. And uh, yeah, I, I, I have been through quite a process, which I will share with you guys as we go through this. Okay. Now, could you kindly tell us where you are today in life, in business, and uh, what was your journey? How did you get to be where you are today? What you've learned in the process? Absolutely. Um, at the moment, I am very pleased to say that at the tender age of uh, 46, now I've actually upset a few people there, um, I've actually found what I consider to be my true purpose. Um, and I am so pleased I actually have arrived at this position in my life at the moment, where actually all I want to do then is to find and empower other people to find their purpose and their passion to actually share what I'm feeling and, and at the moment, because life at the moment for me is a great big adventure. And I, I approach every day with a massive sense of gratitude. And uh, these things, these easy throwaway tags, we'll explain and deep in, dive into a bit of this, but actually with its life-changing event, which has put me on a path to help others. And that really is my sole purpose. That's amazing. Now, I understand what you do uh, as a job uh, today, sort of growing up after you finished your school, your university, what kind of work did you do? I am um, actually qualified as a lawyer. So um, I know I don't look particularly lawyerish <laughs> at the moment, but <laughs> at the time I dressed the part, I had my corporate buzz cut and uh, yeah, I, I, I was a lawyer for 11 years in the UK. You mostly can hear that uh, I have the English accent here, even though I am in uh, Quebec, Canada. And so I was a lawyer for 11 years and um, I wasn't particularly the best lawyer because I wasn't very lawyerish. And uh, my, my other partners, because I was a partner for many years, were like, no, you know, look, come on, Paul, you've got to be a little bit more serious, a little bit more. And I was like, well, that's not me. And so... What I really enjoyed doing um, was guiding people through the minefield of corporate. I was in corporate commercial, so, you know, crack walnuts on your biceps, the whole nine yards. And I really enjoyed the idea of actually being there to advise and turn very difficult concepts into everyday language. Um, I then, at the tender age of 35, uh, quit the law and uh, I went and became a kite surf instructor. And so, so it was a monumental change in my life. And I, all my lawyer friends thought I was absolutely crazy. I'd lost my mind. I had all the trappings of wealth, the sports car, la, la, la. And uh, I just followed a hobby, which was a passion of mine, which was kite surfing. Um, my father, who I deeply love and respect, he, when I did, told him this is what I was going to do, he said, well, son, you're an ass and you're just about to become a bum. So, <laughs> so I absolutely love that analogy. And because actually it was me against the world because I had put this armor on to help represent my clients and go into battle each day. And I had turned into something which actually was not, I couldn't recognize anymore. And it got to the stage where I thought, 
I can't do this anymore. I can't do the next 20 or 30 years doing this. So that's why I called a full stop and uh, I became a kite surf instructor. That's incredible. Which country did you have to travel to work and train as a kite instructor? I, I took myself off to the Dominican Republic to uh, do an intensive course and weeks. The exams to become a kite surf instructor are a week long. They're practical and, and also academic exercises. It was great. There I was. I, I arrived in the Dominican Republic and everyone else was 18, beautiful, bronzed, tanned and everything. I turn up, I'm a pasty white English person, twice their age, because I've been living in in, in the office, I've been uh, in, in the air conditioning. So, of course, being a true Brit, I don't tan. I go this bright red, which is super painful. That's the only way I've ever got through to being tanning. So it was kind of a thing. And I just thought to myself, what am I doing here? I remember sitting on the beach going, how? how, how? And I just thought, well, I'm just going to keep going with this. And... I, I did the, the exams, I, I, I passed, I came back to England and I worked for uh, an, a kite surfing thing in, I lived in Norfolk, so it's Hun Stanton. And um, I pumped up kites and did things like that. So I went from advising on multi-million pound deals to pumping up kites for other people and training them. So it's, it's about as opposite as you can get. And uh, eventually, I ended up buying the business because, hey, you know, old habits die hard. So I, 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 I bought the business and I really enjoyed it. I, it's, it's seven days a week when the wind blows. And England, of course, only has six months of actually doable weather. So I took myself off to the Cayman Islands where I, I actually did six months in the Cayman, six months in England. So you're thinking, hey, this is not such a bad gig after all. And... Uh, so I worked for somebody else out there. And in the end, same type of process, thinking I should actually have another office. So I set up a branch where we had the Cayman branch on Little Cayman and uh, English branch. And uh, that all went really well until, uh, unfortunately, my partners disagreed with my actions and decided they wanted to take the business for themselves. That's OK. Um, so I ended up in Canada. So you're like, well, okay, how did you get to Canada? Well, the only true reason is for a girl. And my wife is French Canadian. <laughs> and so we had to make a decision. Do we go to the UK where my wife would have to immigrate or do we go to Canada where I have to immigrate? Um, and so we took Canada. And uh, so it was a brand new thing. So in the space of a few weeks, we went from plus 40 to minus 20. And I mean, that is just brutal <laughs> if you want to know what that feels like open the open the freezer door stick your head in all the way because we want a safety and just feel what that feels like on your face that's kind of the so my blood was very thin it's now thick so i can deal <laughs> i can deal with cold so we look for a job which would actually pay well so i we could actually support us both and the only jobs which really worked on that was um as a teacher up on the Indian reserves. So we went and we spent five years on the Indian reserves in a village called Wis Wasmanipi. Um, and it's brutal there. The, the, the January, no joke, it's under minus 40 the entire month. 
you have to dress up like an astronaut to go and put the garbage in the bin. <laughs> and so it was an amazing experience. And one of the things which really is a sort of a, a North Quebec thing was um, on the Tannoy system of the, of the primary school, there was a message one evening saying, okay, everyone, you need to go home. Don't, don't, don't sort of hang around in the streets. The elders have spotted wolves in the village. And these wolves, they come in when they get hungry and they are enormous. And so everything stopped until we got the old clear that the elders had gone out and, and chased them away or, and hunted them. But it was like, man, where am I again? <laughs> so I've, when I did get my, um, my visa, I'm now a, a, a full certified Canadian resident. And uh, so uh, that's that, that's indeed I had to uh, salute um, the beautiful queen and pledge my allegiance, which I kind of thought I did just being English, but I had to do it again. And uh, and so um, I taught adult education. And so that was really, really interesting because my students were 18 to, say, 28. And we're reaching them on a very different level and we tried to make a big difference to them. And I told my students, you won't. You won't thank me now, but in years to come, and of course they have done, bless their hearts. So that sort of got me there. So I've got now to the north of Quebec. So you've followed me on my little journey so far. Um, I'm sure Eldon will have some special effects like the Indiana Jones with the plane driving, going across, <laughs> across the top. I'm putting him on the spot here, I don't mean to. <laughs> so that brings me to a real watershed moment of my life, which was two years ago, this gone March. Uh, I was with my family in North Quebec. I just picked up my little boy from daycare and uh, the car we were driving in got hit by a train on an unmanned crossing. And we can't thankfully remember that, but um, I pieced together what people have told me that we spent 10 days on life support, my wife and myself. My parents were told when they, um, got on the plane from the UK that when they arrived at the other end, they better get themselves ready to make the ultimate decision of actually turning everything off. So I can only imagine, and being a parent myself, I, you know, it makes my heart hurt when I hear that because I can just imagine. And when you're on the plane, you're out of communication for like seven hours. So you can't, and so, terrible terrible thing for them and and their strength and bravery through it has been fantastic and my wife woke up the day before me and she told the nurses she, she wanted to go and see me and she can't remember any of this but this is what she's been told so she came down to my bed and I was still asleep I use the word asleep because it's far more romantic and sleeping beauty than the actual reality <laughs> so she she talked to me and then went back to her room and my parents arrived the next day and the doctor's like scrap everything we said before you got on the plane he's awake and they said we have no medical description to say why that is so we are going to call that a miracle and the word miracle is thrown around here and there but this is this is surgeons this is professional intensive care workers and nurses saying it's a miracle and that is what started my journey towards where I am now. So to where you are now, would you say that 
because now I know you are very spiritual and you practice many, uh, you practice self-compassion, self-love, yeah. practice many positive daily rituals to connect more to your heart rather than being in your head. And I understand that you are very passionate about teaching this to others through your books, through your seminars, webinars, online coaching. And I understand you have clients now and you're doing life coaching. So can you tell me a bit more about this? Yes, for sure. I mean, the trauma when and, and trauma is actually a very topical word at the moment. Uh, trauma doesn't just happen with one event. My trauma happened two years ago and I still am living the effects of that. There were a lot of things before this happened where I actually said, oh, yes, I'm, I'm spiritual. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those throwaway comments. And I didn't actually really understand what that meant. And I self-compassion. Actually, the whole idea of self-compassion came from my doctor. She said when I was sort of first in my early days, she said, you're going to have to learn and develop a better self-compassion. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. I thought I'd go and look that up because I, I, I didn't. And, and I looked it up and I thought, oh, my goodness. I said, yeah, self-compassion was something other people did. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, 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 okay. And, and I never, ever did it myself. And that works until everything you know ends. Because all the stuff I did when I woke up, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was. And I didn't know what had happened. And this went on for weeks, not just a couple of days, but for weeks. And so people would say, hey, Paul, you know, the nurses would talk to me. And I didn't know that they were talking to me because it, it was just a label. And so what I did is I learned that when I said, oh, yes, that they seem to be happy. So I, I learned that actually all oh, that, that must be something to do with me. And they would ask me the same questions and I'd learn the responses and, and, and that was it. But I had no idea actually of what was happening. And what actually happened is that there was a lot of dialogue going on inside and there were certain discussions, which I'm pretty sure that actually me as a person shouldn't have been privy to. And it was about, well, okay, what's the purpose? What are we doing here? And, and so when I actually did start the recording again of my mind, I had this overwhelming urge and passion to help other people, even though I had a broken neck, broken back, smashed skull. I couldn't walk because I had forgotten how to, so I had to relearn that. But I still thought, well, okay, I'm here for a reason because people don't walk away from train crashes. They just don't do it. And the only way I could actually make sense of such a destructive event is if there is an opposing and balancing positive. Even in the destructive event of a train crash, there is a story of bravery. My books, which uh, Eldon referred to, are centered around the two stories of the, the white and the black wolf. And the idea came to me in that I had a big white husky Malumut, which is a, a monster of a dog. And um, the firefighters explained that when they came with all the cutting equipment, that my dog had jumped over the back seat and landed on my wife and son and saved their lives, giving up his own life. And my son had this little tiny scratch on his head where he just got clipped with the core. So he looked a bit like Harry Potter. <laughs> but that bravery 
if you asked a human being to do that, they wouldn't have done that. And so my dog saved my wife and my two-year-old at the time. And I thought, and I still think that's one of the bravest things I'd ever been heard and been a party to. So what I actually have done in those books is my white wolf is my pet dog. And if you look in the books when you first open them, you'll see there's a picture of a dog and that is actually my dog. And so I wanted to give a tribute to such a brave and selfless act. And uh, with the books, I have effectively immortalized that. And that's the position and that's the power from where I actually have come from. And it's not been easy. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I mean, I've had brain operations. I've had operations on my eyes. I've had all sorts of fun and games. I still have uh, a severe TBI, which is a traumatic brain injury. Again, I had to look that up because I'd never heard of a TBI. (laughs) What I had heard, though, is a PTSD, which I only thought which soldiers got. Um, But I have a chronic PTSD, and um, that's something that affects me on a a daily basis. What I'm hoping, and this is the, the bottom line, is that my story of struggle is a route map for somebody else to hold out their hand and actually grab onto something which is tangible. And I am paying it forward. I am, I, I'm not pulling the ladder up after I've been there. I've got my hand down by my side to actually help anyone who wants to take the action to grab it. And that has been the whole ethos of my coaching, my message of reconnecting with something which actually in my previous life, I would not have been anywhere near it. And Eldon mentioned something about the, um, the heart and having had a very much a damaged head and thoughts which aren't even my own, I try not to go up there too much because it's kind of scary. So what I have decided and uh, I've learned because I actually have seen, I'm one of those very people, I have actually seen my brain on the pictures. And I now know that the brain is not the mind. People say, well, where's the mind? And people typically point to their head. It's not, it's an electronic switchboard and it's plugging information in and it's not actually your mind it's a thinking element to respond to the the environment you're in so what i found is it's far safer and actually far more powerful to live more in the rest of your body and what i have gravitated towards is actually my heart and i know that society is going to go yeah you know think with your head not with your heart that's not the case that's actually programming which actually doesn't serve you the best decisions the creativity the imagination the passion the intellect they all come from in your heart the mind is like the uh, sort of the committee you say i got this idea and if you listen to the thoughts in your mind oh no that's not a good idea that actually is the dampener on any imagination and everything else so what i've learned to do is actually um, go up there into my head to get things out like a filing cabinet. I think, okay, I want to know about this. So I get it out, take it down and I read it. And that is one of the big things which I have learned in my recovery. Now that's not suggested by the doctors because actually once you get out of the initial breaks and stuff, it's all kind of gray territory. They're like, well, you know, speak to him and talk to that. And, but actually, every single head injury is different. There isn't one set of stamp you can do. My wife was in the same accident. She doesn't have PTSD. 
same accident. She had a different head injury, I, and, and so her recovery has been very, very different. And we, as together, have a common purpose in that um, she's tapped into a lot of her creative side. So she does a lot of the artwork. We've got a website we put together where she has done all the, the designing and stuff, and she's got a great empathetic vision. So we have actually helped each other on our journey. So we are very lucky to actually have actually been pulled together even closer than we were before because we've been through stuff which most people can't even imagine in their worst nightmares and that is the importance of being able to see the good in everything we do very inspiring paul your story your journey it's very very inspiring and as you said your hand is by your side waiting to uplift anyone who might be going through something, who might be going through a breakup, loss of business, loss of job. They might have been a soldier with a PTSD or any other sort of issues. And you are there as somebody who is very inspiring and you have lived it. You actually live in it right now, every single day. Now, for our listeners and also the viewers, because we're going to post both video and audio, could you tell like a summary of what has helped you and what is helping you daily? Any positive rituals, any practical action steps that one could take from when they wake up until they go to sleep? What could you recommend? Absolutely. I mean, my day now is very different to how it used to be. Um, I first of all have a journal. And uh, last time I think I had a journal was what was called a diary when I was very much younger. <laughs> I had a lock on it. Uh, this, this one here, actually, um, it's actually getting into the idea of what I am grateful for. Because actually, I'm grateful for a lot of things which most people take for granted. I'm grateful that I can see because for the first two years I saw double all the time and it was only after an operation on both eyes at the same time that actually my vision stopped being double. So I'm grateful I can see and if you write down 10 things which you are grateful for and you do it every single day, get up, do that. It doesn't take long Absolutely. And, and, Eldon's, and, and, and it doesn't take long. But what it does is it starts, it starts the brain off on the right foot. It's like an athlete. It's like the warm up before they do the sprint, which is the day. You wouldn't go out and compete if you hadn't done the proper warming up. And this is effectively what it is. I do things I'm grateful for. I then ask for five minutes. I'm perfectly quiet. And I just ask to see if there's anything which I should be doing, any ideas. And what I have found is, is that my little voice, which was actually drowned out beforehand, I, I can kind of hear it and it comes up with these ideas. And I have a sort of a little book beside me and I, here it is here, look, approve. And what I do is I write down the ideas and some of the ideas are not so good. And some of the ideas are like, like gold. And what it actually does is it gives it gives a credence and a, and a validation to your subconscious because your subconscious is like the inner child. And with all the society and always everything focusing outwards, we kind of forgot that actually there is something inwards. And this is where the self-compassion comes. It's actually turning your gaze from worrying about having the perfect life on social media to actually dealing with what is actually the reality. And so that ritual of just being quiet for five minutes and 
Sometimes nothing happens. Other times there'll be a rush of stuff. But note them down because actually when you look back, you'll think, hang on, this is really quite good. As I'm, I've turned into a writer, I didn't set out to be a writer, but I turned into a writer, all these ideas flow. So it gets you in that right kind of competitive spirit if it was, if it was a sports thing. And then this is the real thing, which, I, which is quite fun. I send love to three people every day who have bothered me in the past. And the thinking behind this, and I must, I must hold my hand up, is this is, I'm a big fan of Bob Proctor. And this is one of his um, suggestions, which I've taken on board. And uh, to start with, it's quite kind of hard because you, you, you see the face of whoever it is and you, you don't want to be nice. <laughs> but if you actually be nice, what you're thinking is you're releasing energy which may have been stored up and doesn't serve you. And actually, it's a way of healing and then not worrying about it anymore, so, which is kind of nice. So I've been doing it now for a little while. And actually, it's getting easier and it's getting easier. And I'm actually struggling now. I think, well, actually, who do I pick? But I keep going back over it because it, every time I do it, it feels slightly better. So that's the sort of the morning ritual. I, I then listen to, um, I'm a great fan of Joe Vitale. Oh, my God, I'm a name dropper here. I do apologize. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a great believer of, of the universe, which he talks about, and that things are actually bigger than what we think they are and I, I kind of like that because it goes back to well I shouldn't have really walked away from that accident because anything you ask anyone medical they're like you, you do yeah. you should not be here and so it kind of helps and actually I I've looked for examples of it in my everyday life and they're all over the place it's amazing it's just like before this I had a chat with with a gentleman who is dealing with concussion and with concussion with kids. And he said, look, listen, listen to my story. I listened to his and we're now going to try and promote health and well-being for sports and concussion. You know, it's not all money driven, it's use driven. And I feel that actually, if I add value to somebody every day, then that actually helps me because in a selfish point of view, I am helping other people to heal. So actually I can heal at the same time. Absolutely. Um, because you can't pour from an empty cup. No. So what you are saying, that the rituals you are practicing daily fill your cup. And from that cup, you are able to give and share. So to summarize, you are suggesting to our listeners, to our viewers, that they should practice inwardly and they should express from inside out fill up the cup from inside out look within that no external intermediary is required for you to get what you are seeking if you contemplate for five ten minutes or meditate do journaling practice form of gratitude where there is journaling gratitude i practice both. I do journaling, gratitude journaling every morning. And also I have a gratitude jar, which is for my wife and I, and we cut small strips of paper and every morning we write a few things we are grateful for and we put in the jar. And what we do then after a few months, we sit down for dinner with a nice glass of wine and we open the jar and we count our blessings. And we've been doing this for a few years now. That, that that is amazing and uh the word self-compassion is a relatively new word and it's very 
society has got, it thinks it's self-indulgence, which is a very different thing indeed. Self-compassion is not self-indulgence because actually self-compassion is a focus on the good and building your inner self. I can tell you what self-compassion is not. It's not taking selfies. That's not self-compassion. Yeah, <laughs> actually, and the... I, I think self-compassion isn't watching eight hours of Netflix lying in your pajamas and drinking two bottles of wine and eating enormous amount of food. That's not self-compassion either. No, I mean, it's self-compassion. Once you actually start on it, it's a daily process and it, it does, it's not big changes. I uh, Save the wine. That, that's the first thing. Uh, <laughs> and, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's actually, and it, there's small things. It's like, well, yeah, that's common sense. Well, it isn't. common sense is only, you don't know what you don't know, which is effectively and what I found is by opening these my eyes is actually because people say well how do you do it how, how, how do you get up in the morning and what it is is we all have that inner strength every single person has it it's just that actually we don't get a chance to actually discover what we've got until trauma comes along now we at the current stage in the coronavirus we're facing a trauma across the board globally and trauma yeah globally and and if you'd have said a few weeks ago that two-thirds of the planet would be shut people would have people would have laughed and said well that's crazy and so trauma is actually just being overwhelmed that's all that trauma is so and people say to me oh you know my trauma is not as bad as yours that's that's nonsense trauma is trauma it's financial you lost your job it's emotional it's it's uh, spiritual it's physical it's the same ladder to climb back out and it's the same emotions and the one thing which is an easy takeaway which as you can practice literally in seconds is whenever anything happens especially with acute ptsd I go into what's called a re, uh, the flight or flight, the reaction, because actually the PTSD makes you think that actually you're in mortal danger. So what I've tried to do is I've actually tried to have a pause between whatever the event is and my reaction to it. So what I go try, if something happens, I stop, I take a breath and I think I've got a choice here. I can go reaction or I can respond. Reaction comes from a, a shock, fight or flight type approach. And you are then at the mercy of whatever that is. A response means that you have considered it and then you have made a decision of what, what emotional label you're going to put on that event. It takes the same time. It's not anything different. You just need to take. So whenever anything happens, somebody's like this, the kids are playing up because they've been in the house all day and they're bored. Take that breath, make a reaction or respond and then you will choose the path your day will follow and you think well that, that everyone knows that well I didn't know that and I kind of thought that I knew quite a lot of things I had 45 years in this body I thought I knew it um, but it's something you can do immediately and things will happen things will start to change your opportunities will start to appear simply because you're open to it your mind is actually already going ahead and doing the work for you you said about reaction and response and i've been studying and researching this for years and one of the guys i can't remember who written about it but he said like reaction and response is like taking medication if you respond to medication it's a very good thing if you react if you have a reaction to the medication it's a very bad thing so also this connects me to the current crisis and the covid 19 situation which i have a lot of colleagues in the 
industry who specialized in domestic violence and the men the calls around the UK and I understand it's on the on the rise so this now what you mentioned about reaction and response it's very important in this situation because if one focuses on reacting the same old way to their spouse to their boyfriend girlfriend it's going to be a problem but if one pauses for the moment and chooses how to respond thinking about their feelings thinking about how much love they feel for their significant other for their spouse for their partner then obviously they will not have these massive bust-ups and arguments and potentially resulting in physical violence absolutely i mean the fight or flight was there as a survival instinct to keep you safe in danger and that's actually what a reaction should be I, I love the the very clear analogy i have this picture in my ma- mind of a medicine bottle with all that long list of do not take if you're and and the response means that you then direct the you direct the next comment now where beforehand you may have reacted and said something back because you want to win the argument you actually may say okay that's not something that's going to have a hold on me that's not something i'm going to allow to actually influence where i go next i'm going to stay true to me and you've got to trust yourself now that is where the self-compassion comes in because it gives you that confidence inside to actually say look i've, I've got that strength i've got this ability and uh, i think it is like um, a gift and if you unwrap it it's like oh wow look at this but when you look over your shoulder every single hardship and struggle you've had in your life there's been a gift deposited but you just haven't seen it so if you turn around you're going to have a pile of presents so tall and each one of them has got another piece of strength of, of look you've done this and uh, that's very empowering there's this great phrase when i'm on my knees when not being well i i I'd always come up with this it's, it, and it's this you've survived your worst days with a hundred percent record and so <laughs> i always put that record on the line because i don't want a blot on my copybook i want a straight hundred every time <laughs> so i kind of and you know when i say i'm on my knees it's this the whole coronavirus and doing zoom stuff is really good because i can control my environment i can stand up in front of twenty thousand people and not bat an eyelid somebody drops their pen or something on the floor bang that's it my ptsd will overwhelm me my central nervous system will completely i can't control it it's an involuntary thing so when i'm like that i've got to somehow get the logical brain back in in control and i use that and i say it again and again and again and i challenge myself to compete with it say okay Okay, you want to stick that on your 100% record on the line? Okay, let's do it. And actually, I'm very proud to say that actually I have still <laughs> beaten my worst days to 100%. That's amazing. Now, I want to pick on something which I think this is how I interpret it that your practice of self-compassion by understanding your emotions, your feelings, understanding your body, your heart. My take on it is that this has helped you to understand other people around you, to understand how other people feel, how other people might feel if you say something, the way you react or respond, your loved ones, your colleagues, your friends, your family, even strangers. It's absolutely true. I mean, I am, I've always been fairly empathetic and I've always wanted to help people, hence why being a lawyer and then an instructor and then a teacher. So each one of them has a common theme running through it. 
but I didn't really understand mental health. Now I have a sort of like a full premium paid seat at ringside. I get to see it in all its glory. And I, I understand why people think and do the things they do. And rock bottom, I've, I've been there and I've discovered that rock bottom actually has a basement as well, just in case you want to move in down there. And, uh, but what I take from this is that if I have actually gone through it and I've come out the other side, I kind of feel like it's my duty to pay it forward. And I'm a big, big fan of that phrase, pay it forward. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and when you start thinking about things like that, I mean, I, for example, I go and volunteer at the local animal refuge. I go and help out there. That's no, there's no financial gain or anything from it. It's actually, it makes you feel good. And that actually is self-compassion. With the coronavirus, I've been looking for ways to try and help people. And I've connected with some neighbors who are struggling and stuff. And again, you know, they say, oh, we'll pay for that. Like, you know, don't, don't worry about that. It's not the money. It's the use that you actually bring. And so my experiences have made me far more sympathetic to that. I see danger everywhere. That's one of my curses is that I see danger everywhere. So I'm always there trying to sort of soundproof and put marshmallows and pillows on things. So <laughs> I've got a four-year-old, so you can imagine I run around him with like these two great big cushions everywhere. But on a sort of an intellectual and an emotional level, and even a, say a spiritual level, that I feel far more open and receptive to other people's strengths. I, I said to Eldon at the beginning, I said, to, before he came on air, we had a little chat and I said, I can feel you and your energy and your, what, you, what makes you sort of tick. And, and it's a very pure and nice energy. And it's, this is not some slick marketing thing. This is how it is every day. <laughs> And if I can share what helps me and also what doesn't help me, because not everything I, you know, not everything you touch is gold. And some of the things you're like, well, you don't really want to do that because that's going to end in a bad place. So what I'm thinking is it's condensed down two years of struggle and counting and it's put it in a nice soluble package and one of the reasons i wrote the book is it's always nice to give someone something you say oh, read that read that see how you go it's kind of a bit of an anti-climax when you go to the doctor and you say oh, i'm not feeling very well and they say i'll oh, just go to bed and sleep it off you're like well can you give me any tablets or anything like that no 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 you know, no prescription no okay i actually feel a little bit better if i got a prescription i'm gonna get i'm starting to fix myself and this is kind of like what I did with the books and uh, there's five I've written two are published at the moment at the moment I use a um, pen name for Kate Summers so uh, if you go on Amazon and you look up Paul Rogers you're not going to get much <laughs> you're not going to get anything so um, I use a pen name Kate Summers and so the next question most people say was why the pen name I mean what's the gig with that and uh, what I found with my psychiatrist which I see every week I'm, I see I'm in Hollywood I have one on speed dial and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what actually you know what it was is actually it's using a third person's perspective which I believe they called the bystander position which is a safe place so I still, even to this day, I can't put myself in a first person role. I, I look at it through third person. And for many, many months, and even occasionally now, I get the, what I now know to be is disassociation in that actually I 
I feel like I'm dreaming when I actually am awake. And I remember saying to my father, again, remember this, he came up with the arse and the bum comment. So I, I figured he'd give me the true, the true gig on this one. I said to him, is this real? And he said, yes, it is. I was like, okay. So, because uh, if he said no, I thought I might be still in the bed somewhere and this would have been a dream. So I thought, rather than being scared of that, I was going to embrace it to actually write these books because I didn't have writer's block or anything else. It just actually just, boom. And I now know, I say, I've wandered into so many areas and they say, oh, that's that, that's this. And, I, and now I know that's called channeling. Yes. Great. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I had no idea. And so, so um, what I felt was, was that the presence was a female presence. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to go all in on this. I'm going to give her a name, I'm going to give her a profile, and I'm going to make her real. Because to be honest, she has helped me a lot. Uh, if you read the bio, you'll see, actually, it's a watered down version of what happened to me. So it's another way of I've been able to deal with things. I, as I said, it still is work in progress, but I've got to where I am now, which is pretty well functioning. And this is the time then I, I want to pay it forward. So hence the the coaching, the website, which my wife and I have put together. That website has basically got loads of articles, loads of takeaway stuff some of it's free some of it's paid some of it's training online and the idea is that a person could walk in there and they could effectively take things off the shelf which actually suited what their needs were so they could build their own toolkit depending on whatever their trauma was so what is and the website it's called takeactionacademy.ca okay of course we're in canada so don't put the dot com dot ca Yes. Um, I have a question relating to what you were talking about earlier. You know, the, um, the PTSD and the feelings and the emotions and the fight or flight. Now, when you feel the highest intensity of what you are experiencing, do you feel it somewhere in your body? Yes. An interesting question. Um, I get flashbacks. Now, people will think it's like the Hollywood flashbacks. It's not. It's uh, what actually happened is I was unconscious. So my five senses were out of the equation. It's the same thing if you go for an operation, they, they knock them out so they can do what they're gonna do. However, the subconscious brain was still recording, the reel was still running. So when I get my flashbacks, they're an emotional flashback or a sensation flashback. And what that then does is it turns the nervous system on into overdrive. So it, it prepares your body by squeezing out a load of adrenaline to either run away or to fight it. Now, the central nervous system then is doing its job. And at that stage, if I, if I jumped out from somebody and said, boo, they would go, oh my goodness, oh yeah. And, and then it would settle, settle back down again. Mine is like a smoke detector that is set so, so sensitively high that it will pick up like one microbe of smoke in the atmosphere. And then it's like, boo, alarm, quick, danger, danger. And I'm joking about it, but the actual, the, the, what it actually does is it gives me an, a massive ascent, uh, sensations of pain through where the accident site was uh, to cramps all my muscles. And I am scared beyond, I'm terrified, absolutely terrified. And do you ever feel any sensations around your chest area, any tightness around your solar plexus area? Yes. And I know with my logical hat back on that it, it makes you feel like you're gasping for air, for drowning, because sure. everything tenses around because I know it's getting ready for whatever it perceives is coming. But I can sit here in this chair and if something happens, I will think that actually I am there. The other week, actually about two weeks ago, I had very rare, I had an actual, a visual flashback and 
I don't know whether it's made up or my brain made up or whether it's true. It doesn't actually matter because the reaction was the same. And it put me in bed for three days because uh, it I made see. me so, because it drew out all the energy I had because it's using everything on survival mode. Sure, so it I burns know. it at like two or three, yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason why I was asking you questions about the sensations in your body, tightness in your chest, because I want to do something. This is completely impromptu. And this cool. is my area of expertise. This is what I do with my clients. So even though we are miles and miles away, you're in Canada, I'm in UK, London, I can feel your energy from here. And as I'm talking to you and asking you to describe if you're feeling it in your chest, I can feel there is some tightness in your chest right now. So I'm going to do something from here, but also I'm going to give you a tip that you can take home. And also for our listeners, if they ever feel any anxiety, any worry, any PTSD, beside the suggestions which you have made for them to practice, whichever sensation is felt, whether it's in the chest or in the head or any other part of the body, that sensation should just be acknowledged and witnessed without judgment. And you close your eyes and you go inwardly and you say this sentence. And I love that. If it helps you, you can put the hand on your heart, your right hand, and you like take, take a deep breath and you say inwardly to yourself, and I love that. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Anne. Pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. Because um, I know you obviously have been doing a lot of research your whole life, especially the last couple of years. And there is a scientific evidence behind what I'm talking about, but saying, and I love that because you talked about subconscious mind earlier. So there are many programs running in our subconscious mind undetected under our conscious awareness, which have been stored from about two years old to about seven years old or from birth to seven years old because our brains are in complete sort of download mode theta brainwaves and many of those programs are so out of date usually they have been installed by the people that we have been around which is our parents our grandparents so some of those programs are 50 60 years old uh, or 60 years out of date so many sort of fears and anxieties and things that we have in our operating system are not real and they are not useful in 21st century or in 2020. So what I have discovered by working with clients for over 10 years, and this is what I do, remove their fears in one session, sometimes four at the most, their PTSD, their panics, anxieties and traumas and fears is that what they are experiencing in their 30-year-old body, 45-year-old body, it's the inner child who was a five-year-old experienced something when they were five or six, which to them was traumatizing at that time. So mm. it could have been a father didn't turn up for their football match, for their soccer, for their ballet practice. And to them, that was interpreted as a traumatizing experience where sense of abandonment and if I was good enough, my father or mother would love me. And so this is constantly rehearsed in their brain, undetected under their conscious awareness. So the pain is that, that inner child. So mm. when you go deep inside, you connect to the inner child, all it wants is to be acknowledged. You are a father of a four-year-old if you're four-year-old falls down and hurts, um, you know, scrapes the knee, you wouldn't shout at your four-year-old, would you? You would give him 
a hug and a kiss. So that four, five-year-old within you is the same thing. It's like your boy. So you just go inwards and give unconditional love and you say, and I love that. And by practicing this for a bit at home with your other positive rituals, I promise you it's going to help tremendously. That is amazing. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that was uh, that was unprompted. And uh, I now know that I suffer from panic attacks, which I hadn't ever done before. And uh, you were right to uh, send uh it building and maybe some of the listeners and watches also sort of sense because the body the body is a direct reflection of what goes on in the mind and so yeah i could uh, i could feel it was getting uh, more difficult to to get near the event and therefore what happens is the central nervous system starts saying well if you're gonna go there we're gonna start making things uncomfortable so you back away um but i totally agree with what you said well obviously you have done a lot of research and a lot of study our brain cannot comprehend and separate from what has happened two years ago 30 years ago to when we are talking about the traumatizing experience the physiological sensation we are experiencing in the now that is why i think as you said kate summers was a third person which has helped you process this and communicate about your events and your situation i mean you've done an amazing job today to inspire millions and millions of people with your story, with your positive contribution, through your books, through your life coaching, through your events and everything else that you do. It's incredible. Now, I do have a couple more questions before I ask you where else people can find you and your work. So what impact would you like to leave on the world? I've actually done a lot of what's called reverse engineering to actually look at the end picture because I've had a fairly close dance with, with death. And actually, what do I want to be remembered for and what sort of things do I want to leave behind? And I have a very big vision in that I want to have a business which impacts and changes lives of millions of people uh, by empowering them to find their passion and their purpose. Because I realized that actually without a purpose and without the passion, I was like a rudderless ship. I was just drifting with the tide. And uh, there's a lot of rocks out there. <laughs> So with a purpose and passion, it's like having a, a little outboard on the back of the, of the boat. You can steer around things, you can go wherever you want. So that's what I want other people to realize that they have that. And adversity is the best teacher. You don't learn things when you're in your comfort zone, you're nice and happy and everything's going well. When, when the proverbial hits the fan, that is when actually the true strength and courage and all those bravery, all those other words, they emerge. I mean, just look at the moment at the uh, what we're now doing. We're not celebrating pop stars, football stars. We're celebrating people on the front line, the shopkeepers, the, the medical staff. Uh, one of the guys here, he, who I know, he's, a, he's an English guy. He's working in the hospital. He's had to go in his own flat. He can't go home because he's so scared about cross-contaminating his family. So I didn't appreciate, not only is he dealing with emotional wreckage at work that he hasn't got, he's got to go home and keep himself to himself. So it's it's another whole element I didn't know until I talked to him. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, that that's like a double whammy. But that's, that's where the bravery and the courage come from. It comes from those times where we're tested. Yes. 
Absolutely. And I really like your vision about your future business and, and future goals in life. And I understand you are very passionate about uh, paying it forward. And I guess this is sort of main focus of your teaching. Not only that you want to help millions, you want to encourage them that the knowledge to be paid forward and to help others. So it's a sort of selfless learning about selfless act of kindness through practicing positive rituals that you have described earlier. And obviously you have many different trainings and, and other systems and techniques that people can learn also through your books, which I understand you said you've written five, published two, and the others yep. are coming out uh, very soon, I guess. And you're going you're gonna to yep. develop like online courses and training and things like that which is amazing. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing more of your amazing work, your inspirational work. And um, I want to ask, uh, where else can people find you online beside your website? Absolutely. I am very busy on LinkedIn at the moment. So uh, if you're on that platform, which I found to be really, really good, it's got some really lovely people on there. It's how I met Eldon here. So it's a really good positive platform that i'm on facebook again paul rogers you kind of not gonna miss me i'm like fairly unique and uh and so they're the main places but direct message messenger i'm happy to talk to people and if i can help them help themselves and ellen says it's not then just the next thing to get the ultimate out of it is then they pay it forward to the next person so my view is starting a wave and there's no better time to start than at the moment because the world needs some serious compassion at the moment so this is the time where actually you can get ahead of the wave you can actually start making a difference and an impact on other people i totally agree with you community and sort of teaching people and helping people to understand that they are not alone and prior to the covid 19 crisis there was a lot of people having issues with mental health, which, you know, as you said, you never really thought about it because, uh, you know, life was great. And, you know, then the adversity and then sort of reflection and everything else that you've been going through. But a lot of people, they're not aware of this. A lot of people, they are not aware that close to a million people a year commit suicide. And over 75% of those people are men, not women, yeah. men aged 15 yeah. to 45. So, yeah. you know, it's a big issue. And I think now it's just getting worse. Mental health issues have gone through the roof. Obviously, you know, with challenges in their relationship, in their domestic situation, people losing jobs, losing businesses, economy is collapsing globally. It's going to be a very, very tough time for many people. Yeah, there's plenty of bad news around. And I've stopped watching most of the news because it's starting to resemble the Cartoon Network. And I, I so, so Fif I, 15 I, years, I, I didn't watch news. I, yeah. I decided... And, and, 15 years ago not to watch news or read newspapers yeah. it doesn't do you any good it's 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 kind of like a gossip magnet and and really one of the things which are which i practice on that is not saying bad things about people and things like that and yeah mental health people are having to face things which they haven't had to confront before they've been stuck in the home they've they've had to work and, and you know the bills are paid and, and there is genuine fear there and that puts you in a state of readiness but from personal experience you burn yourself out real 
real fast by living in that survival mode. You've seen the pictures of the soldier before combat and after combat, the sunken eye sockets and everything else. It's the same deal. And this is where the compassion element and finding people like Eldon, me, other people is so important because it's like letting pressure out of a pressure cooker. Absolutely giving you a little bit of space where once you've got that space, you can start actually start getting down to what you are, but rather than just, 100% reaction. You need to actually start backing those back. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. For anyone who is watching this, listening to a podcast, they should definitely connect with Paul Rogers, email him, send him a direct message. If they require his coaching services or they want to find out more about where they can purchase his books, I will put links in the comments on uh, both the video and the podcast so people can find you and if they like to buy your books on amazon i believe it's available globally is that correct your books it is it is yeah the the uh, first one on amazon.com is free so uh, okay the second one is a heady price of 99 cents so for a less than a cup of coffee you might be able to <laughs> the idea is actually just to, to get it out there and to make it available it's yeah that is your way as you said to paying it forward and uh, i've i've read three chapters already of your book over the last day or so and i i must say i love it it resonates with me with my views my beliefs and uh, and my past research and my studies and there's a lot of synergy about your style of writing and, and what I've written and what I've published. And uh, awesome. I look forward to a lot more positive collaboration with you. And for any viewers and listeners out there, we just sort of connected so positively. And we decided to start creating some courses and online events together with Paul. So I'm very excited about the future oh, yeah. and our collaborations together. It's going to be amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you to all the listeners to uh, our podcast, The Human Experience. Your host, Elgin Hassa. Until the next time.